Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hahn. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news meshed together in new ways, which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we'll be discussing a few specific areas of health IT, patient communications and telehealth. And we'll be talking about what's happening in each of these areas and exploring what green space there is. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 13 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. This is going to be fun, a green space, uh, you're a little bit predictive in nature, right? <laughs> Just a little bit. We're going to be talking a little bit about what's going on in the industry, uh, that area, and then, yeah, like kind of make some predictions and projections. But first of all, I have to say that, of course, the, the time we're recording this, it is freezing outside where I am, and you're wearing a short sleeve shirt. So, you know, it's appropriate that we're talking <laughs> about green space because I haven't seen any for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, I won't talk about shorts and t-shirt I was wearing before this, but <laughs> anyway, I guess weather... we both want to go to hymns. If it, assuming it happens, we recorded this before hymns, so we'll see. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting once this goes live if, if hymns actually happens or not. So, uh, anyways, yes. it'll be a fun discussion. I'm definitely looking forward to talking about green space because I can't see any. So that's uh, I'm looking forward to today's topic. <laughs> But yeah, so you know, let's let's dive right in, John. You know, we we're, there's two sort of areas that we we were talking about before we got on the recording that we thought were kind of interesting. The first one being, you know, this patient communication space, this encompassing, you know, anybody who makes technology that you know texts a patient, or does an automated phone call to a patient, or any any sort of automated message. This is that this is what we call sort of the patient communications world. Uh, and there's definitely a lot happening here, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of sad to say a little bit that a text message is something innovative, but in healthcare, it's kind of true because so few healthcare organizations are doing it. Uh, interestingly, I just had a, an experience with this with my friend who's a PT, a physical therapist, and my son needed to go for some physical therapy, and he wanted to send the instructions, and he said, oh, can I text it to you? I said, absolutely. <laughs> it was the best <laughs> option, and he sent me this, you know, luckily there's not really any personal health information, no protected health information there. It's just a link to some exercises that were customized for us he chose three or four specific ones and it created a unique landing page for it and it was beautiful and i loved every element of it interestingly enough because he's a friend i actually scheduled the appointment through text as well <laughs> because they said hey my son needs to come see you when is it available and i had no qualms about it no fears and i think most people are that way now the question is how do you scale that up right i mean not, not everyone has a friend with every doctor they need to visit but i think we're starting to see that we're starting to see a lot of organizations i think they wade into it initially with reminders the reminder seems like the natural easy beginning point but i think we're seeing it with appointment scheduling i think we're seeing it with health information i think we're seeing it with value-based care when you want to drive the right person to do the right action or to come back for a visit as a reminder or you know whatever the the interaction you want uh text message is powerful and I don't think we need to repeat the stats here that everyone opens it within five minutes and, you know, or nearly everyone versus email, which is more at the five to 
20% open rate, depending on who you are. I guess some get up to 50, but that still means half of them aren't even looking at it. Well, as you know, John, I came from this space, you know, prior to, to coming on board here. And, you know, one of the things I definitely will say that's different now than when I was in the space is that I think there's now an acceptance that it's okay under the HIPAA regulations to send text messages and other forms of electronic communications to patients. You know, the blocker for years had been, well, no, I can't use it because it's going to violate, it's a violation of privacy, it's not secure, and so maybe I have to have secure texting and secure this and secure that. But I think now, I think the people are now realizing, okay, well, it's true that you do need to make that, think about PHI and sending it through these insecure channels, but there's a lot of information that you can share that isn't PHI like links to helpful videos, like links to like how to get to my office, right? Like those kinds of things are not PHI and can be shared. And so I think that that to me is one of the biggest changes that have happened in this market is that there's realization that, oh yeah, people want it as patients, people want that. And also as a provider, it's okay to share information electronically in text or other formats. And I think now that that's opened up, there are now a lot more uses of communica patient communications that extend beyond the reminders where everyone started, right? So now we're seeing not only reminders of existing appointments, but also things like, hey, you know, you're due for an appointment, so go ahead and make one, call in to make an appointment, or hey, here's some options for payment, uh, you know, that that are open that you know we yeah, might, you great. might not be aware of, or you know, here's some information that you might find helpful just in terms of general health, right? Like or or you know that kind of communication now is opening up from a lot of providers, which I think is very encouraging. Yeah, and I think you're right that the HIPAA card was pulled as an excuse not to do it. And I think that the fear was legitimate for many people. They, you know, it was just a misunderstanding, I think, of the law. And luckily, people like uh, Severino from OCR and from HHS have made it more clear that texting is okay in various situations. And so I think that has changed the culture. I think the other thing that's really changed in regard, and it was a big blocker for many, was this fear that if I start texting them, they're going to just inundate me with all these inappropriate texts and, and requests for en engagement that won't be paid. And I think we've proved out that, you know, patients don't want to do that. Or if they're the ones that would do that, they're probably going to do it anyways through the phone or through dropping off at your office or, <laughs> or whatever. Right. So, you know, like it doesn't really drive a bunch of people to engage with you in a way that is not appropriate or that's seeking after unreimbursed care you know like the, we you know those fears were real and but we've i think we've now seen that it proven out that patients don't really want to do it the majority and so you know there's certainly outliers and unfortunate cases but the majority are just like yeah actually i don't want to inter in interact with my doctor unless i have to and so you know this can often make it easier and doctors have also learned that it's okay for me to say hey, this is a great question, schedule an appointment, here's the phone number, and that that's okay too. Uh, you know, they don't have to necessarily engage if the answer is, you know, have my, even maybe even have the front desk proactively call that patient and say, hey, you text the doctor, come on in, because that's something that we need to address in person. And there's, you know, even though this space is mature, right, you know, texting and electronic communications with patients has been around for a while now. It's not a, it's not a brand, it's not a spring chicken anymore in terms of technologies. Yeah. Uh, but there are some, still some pretty interesting green spaces that I'm seeing in this space. I mean, the one big one for me, and it's a huge challenge, 
is of course that because of uh, companies like Twilio, right, which backend most of these communications platforms in healthcare, uh, it's so easy now to send electronic communications, right? So you can send you know, educational materials, you can send reminders. The problem is now it's because it's so easy, everyone's doing it. So every like surgery system is sending information out, like uh, the, uh, the imaging group is sending some stuff out, and then like people who are making regular appointments are sending things. So what happens is that from a single provider, especially from a hospital, as a patient, I literally could be getting 20 messages from 20 different mm -hmm. subsystems within the hospital going, oh, you have an appointment at 9.15. Oh, no, by the way, your follow-up appointment at 9.30 is coming from this other system. I got a reminder for that. I want one message, right, that shows me I'm supposed to be at the hospital from 2 to 5, and you're mm -hmm. going to go through this series of appointments, and you're seeing these people, and oh, by the way, we need all this information. Instead, today, it's possible that I get multiple messages in multiple modalities from your various systems. And as a as a end user or as a patient, that's an unideal patient experience, right? Like, see, so we've gone out so far the other way. Now I've got too many messages on my... So an opportunity here, which no one seems to have solved yet, is the consolidation of those messages into one from all your different subsystems and then sending it intelligently to a patient. I know HealthGrid, uh, which has since been acquired by Allscripts, years ago they had talked about this consolidation, but it doesn't quite, it hasn't been quite implemented fully. So in terms of green space, I totally see that there's opportunity here uh, to be that consolidator and send those single message off to a patient. That's an interesting idea. It actually reminds me of my kids in school. They each have like six teachers and I get inundated with messages from those teachers and I can barely remember which teacher goes with which kid at which school. I mean, I have four kids, of course, and, <laughs> and you know, in junior high, they have seven teachers each. And so they're like, the numbers just multiply and I get the message, I'm like, wait, so this is the history class for which kid, for which issue and I'm like I, I bear you know I, I have essentially alert fatigue is what you're saying right. you know with my kids school and I can totally see how a patient would suffer through that as well they're like wait so was this the cardiologist that I met with this time or was this the neurologist who said this to me and I can't remember and what was I supposed to follow up with that one two weeks later or three weeks and now it came at a week and so which you know like you can just imagine yeah. the the challenge of trying to do that. So I think it's a great idea. You know, I was talking with uh, Sarah Benite from Stericycle recently, you, you know, your former company, interestingly enough, and she was giving me some really interesting information about how they obviously have adopted a lot of text message solutions that go to remind someone to come for a wellness visit or to take a medication or whatever it might be. And so they, and when they would send the reminder, they would get great reaction from a large percentage. But there's a whole still that subsection where they're not doing what they need to be doing. And in a value-based care world, that's a real problem. And so she highlighted how they did an example, which, you know, she, you know check it out at Stericycle Communication Solutions. I'm sure they have a case study or something around this, but or, you, know, you can reach out to them for all the details. But it was fascinating. She said they proactively reached out with a phone call. Which is like, it's almost, you know, like, I'm in the mind, don't call my phone, right? But it turns out if, you, if the text doesn't work, following up with a phone call can get that other 50% or 30% or whatever that maybe saw the message but didn't take the action that you wanted. And so the question is, how can we take communication and turn it into action? Because often the communication is just a reminder, but 
I think we're going to increasingly see that communication is going to be need to be tied to the action that needs to be taken. And that's a green space, I think, that's available for healthcare communication companies is being able to tie the communication with the action and prove that that communication created that action and then also to personalize it. So maybe a text message works for me, but for my mom, it's not. A phone call would work much better or an email would work much better for her because she doesn't even know how to text and she doesn't even have a keyboard on her phone and there's no way she's going to answer it because she has a little dumb flip phone, right? So being able to personalize that and be able to do that follow-up that I think should span multiple modalities, I think is a green space as well. No, I agree with you. And I think to, to, to add a little bit to that, John, would be, you know, I think we need to add a little bit of marketing intelligence into those messages, you know, and, and be have the systems go, hey, for this person, more graphics make sense. It has to be more pictogram style, and maybe because of language barrier or maybe just because you react to that better, right? It's a quick glance. You can see it. Mm -hmm. Why can't we send texts with, with images in it? Or, you know what, for this person, don't text at all. Just call them in an automated voice uh, manner. So, yes understanding your end user to the point where you can optimize what you send, how you send it, the time you send it, that is also a green space. There are some companies that are dabbling in this. I know the Solution Reach is trying some things. Well, sure. well Health or Well App is doing some things in this area. I think even Allscripts, the former uh, Health Grid, are doing things in this area. But it hasn't really gotten refined like marketing messages have gotten refined, where they know exactly how to get to you in exactly the right modality. That is definitely a green space that that as an opportunity in uh, patient communications. Even subject line with the name or the name of the doctor or you know, how do you create that trust and reliability that they'll open the email or the text. I think that's a, another example of a marketing principle applied as a, a nice green space in healthcare. Now, Dr. Zeeb Newworth, who published uh, that book, Reframing Healthcare, who talks about this, would be very proud of us at this moment talking about marketing uh, coming more into <laughs> healthcare. Hey, listen, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lin and Colin Hung. Today, we're talking about patient communications and telehealth. Both these areas of health IT are featured as part of our third annual Expo.Health event happening in Las Vegas at the end of September, September 28th to October 1st. To find out more about Expo Health, please, and get, or to get involved in the conference, just go to www.expo.health. I'm excited for that conference, John. I can't wait for it in September. Yeah, I mean, and I think we're going to have some great discussions like this. And, and that's what I love about the Expo.Health conference is that it focuses so much on the practical of what I can do today in patient communication and what should I be working on tomorrow. So it's a mix of the two. But, I, you know, I, I think it, we'll have some great discussions on patient communication and then telehealth as well, which I think is a important evolving technology and you know it's interesting that we're you were talking about telehealth in this episode because we're just on the heels of this whole coronavirus outbreak and i think that the coronavirus is going to be an interesting opportunity and we're already seeing it in china where telehealth is being used to work with those patients to avoid infection and i wonder if coronavirus is going to be 
the catalyst to really making telehealth possible. We've seen a few things. I've seen heard rumor that the new coronavirus legislation is going to allow reimbursement for telehealth visits for around coronavirus. So that would be an interesting move if they start paying people for telehealth, which has always been one of the things holding it back. Uh, so I think that would be an interesting one. The second one is just a practical you know we i think organizations are going to do it to avoid infecting their own staff even if they're not reimbursed for it but i think that reimbursement will come as well so i think that's an interesting uh current you know for rip from the headlines kind of perspective of what's happening today with telehealth yeah i think there's a lot of factors pushing telehealth forward i mean it's 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 one of the technologies and one of the spaces that's got a lot of tailwind, so to speak. You know, coronavirus yeah. and the infectious disease world and the pandemics definitely is a topical one and definitely probably a very high priority one right now to make use of this technology. I would also say that um, there are other factors pushing it forward. Uh, one being just this push to uh, provide more access to care, right? In especially in rural areas. I know it doesn't receive a lot of dollars. But there is a lot of government interest in this. And so I think, you know, obviously telehealth is one of the easiest ways to solve that problem, you know, rather than actually send a physical physician out there or a physician out there or set up a clinic out there, you can do telehealth. Um, I also think that in terms of, you know, as the networks shrink, right, and we're kind of going into this value-based care where the networks are shrinking, you're going to have less access to or less opportunities to interact with specialists. There's just a, not enough of them. And so telehealth is a as an easy solution to that resourcing issue, right? And so I think that you know a lot of these factors are really going to push telehealth forward. I'm excited about this technology, and I think in the next few years we're going to see an explosion of its adoption. Yeah, and I think we had started to see even more of an explosion, even without coronavirus or other things, where people are just feel more comfortable with it. The reimbursement has changed. The acceptance that that's an okay way to do it, I think, has, has evolved. There's two other areas I found really interesting, which aren't classic telehealth like many people would think. One of those that uh, you know I, I, uh, we published about recently on Healthcare IT Today was called uh, virtual sitters. Mm -hmm. So they often have in in, in hospitals, uh, you know, people that have to just watch, monitor multiple rooms for fall risk or for other other risks that need to be monitored. And now with this telehealth virtual sitter solution, they can monitor 10 rooms at the same time. And whereas before, maybe they'd only be able to do two rooms. And so it creates a great solution that provides better monitoring. And if you pair that with some other technology like motion sensors or, or even sound sensors and those types of things, it could be even more effective than you know the person sitting in the room or trying to cover two rooms. So I, I think that's a really interesting one is the virtual sitters. The second one that uh, we've seen some amazing investment in, it, which has kind of shocked me that there's been this much investment in, and that is the uh, remote translation services that are being done often through telehealth because obviously you know we can have a few spanish translators that are there because the spanish population is so big in many areas of the u.s but what happens when you need a mongolian speaker or what happens when you need a you know whatever right uh, even italian which isn't very popular in many places but maybe that's all they speak 
what do you do? And telehealth is a great solution for that because it would be impossible for a hospital in California to have a Italian speaker and a Mongolian speaker. But if we take all of the hospitals and health systems, oh, you probably could have one that just taps in and is scheduled or whatever it might be to do those kind of uh, broader languages. So that's been an interesting space that I think has really grown. And it turns out it's mandated by law. So those are always good <laughs> industries to be in. But uh, I think there's still a lot of growth that can be done there. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think you're right. There was that that interesting the the Sitter uh, article obviously was from Caregility and and you know some of the the things that they're doing, which is pretty exciting about that particular use case, which isn't sort of one you think about when you think telehealth. Everyone thinks about mental yeah. health, um, you know, and then obviously interacting with their physician, answering questions. Uh, those yeah, are the specialists going to a rural environment. That's another popular one, right? Because the rural environment can't have those specialists. Right. But yeah, you know, the telehealth the virtual sitters is a unique angle yeah no and i think you know you could argue that maybe you know telehealth can extend to remote patient monitoring right where you're looking at not necessarily a video of the individual but you're integrating video into remote monitoring of vitals and monitoring of other readings and so forth so telehealth i think the uh one of the things i see for the industry is that the the uh definition is going to expand as we can integrate all these things and there also is the green space that i'm seeing is you know, one of the, the limitations of telehealth that people um, have used to, against its adoption right now is that, of course, I cannot physically examine the individual on the other side. So it's all about self-reporting. It's all about, you know, uh, describing the symptoms. And that works well for, you know, certain uh, certain ailments, right, certainly in, in the mental health, behavioral health world. But for other things, it doesn't work very well. I need to have, I need to listen to the heart. I need to listen to the chest. I need to... The, so where I'm going with this is I think there's going to be an equal explosion once telehealth takes root in all of the add-on devices that now people can hook up to themselves so that the person on the other side can do mm. that monitoring and that examination. Now we've seen some failed attempts at you know kiosks, right? You know, located in yeah, various places. That's what I was thinking about too. <laughs> but but I'm thinking now that it's going to be much more around you know connecting one of these, right? Like what can you do to you know connect in? That's a device that is sort of approved that I can hook up and do my own you know heart monitoring and all those kinds of things. And that having that information fed through the and, and uh, viewed by the physician or the clinician on the other side. So I think there's a definite opportunity both in the connection of it. How do you integrate all these tools? And then also actually just creating these. Uh, in a way that can be used and deployed by these uh, by these uh, providers. Yeah, and hopefully the smartphone that you showed is really uh, becomes the sensor itself, which I think is even more powerful than you know each of us storing our own pulse ox and our own <laughs> blood pressure cuff and all of that. Um, it is interesting that uh, Health Spot and some of the others did create that kiosk world that you kind of talked about and how they did, how they rose to fame and then they just disappeared overnight. So uh, that is a challenging model, I think, but if the devices become medically relevant enough that we all have one in our home, just like we have a thermometer, then I think it becomes really interesting to do telehealth tied to many medical devices. Yeah, and I think we're going to creep at the edges, right? Like we're not, you know, if you have a cardi, if you have a cardi, if you have a problem with your heart, you're not going to use telehealth to diagnose somebody, right? You're going to ask them to come in. Totally understand that. 
But although uh, they're already kind of doing it with the ECG, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> what's a life core, right? So, uh, you know, there's... <laughs> it's funny you say that because as soon as I said that, I was like, that's probably a bad example because it's probably already happening. But what I'm saying is that I think we'll nip at the edges, like how telehealth nipped at the edges first. Okay. If you, you know, first it's, it's sure. being used now to answer questions, to do, you know, remote, um, uh, you know, access to specialists and their, spe and their expertise. Uh, and then, you know, I think as some of the devices, like just getting the heart rates and those kinds of things, okay, well, you know what, I can get any, I can get a, an add-on to do that. And we'll, we'll accept that. And we'll, we'll slowly kind of nip inwards from this sort of stuff that can be, you know what, you don't have to come in for that. You can just do it remotely. Hey, chew on this idea. We're already moving towards ambient clinical voice technology that's recording the office visit in the in the office, right? So if you go see a doctor and you do a visit, uh, they're going to be recording the audio and it's going to be transcribed with natural language processing that's going to document the visit for the doctor. That technology is nearly here and it's going to be really exciting. But I've heard even some people putting the video in as well. So video and voice to re record the entire visit. So imagine if telehealth became an actual physical visit which would be pretty cool. I know there's some scary parts to it too, but imagine if you went and saw the doctor and the doctor advised you this, and then you're like, you know, I'd like to get a second opinion on this. And you literally just take the whole visit with that doctor and you send it off to another doctor and say, hey, was it, did this doctor do a good job or did they not? And you could assess the quality and get a second visit. I mean, that would be a different type of telehealth that I think a lot of us would love, or maybe we just look at it for our own, you know, our own jogging of yeah. the memory of what did the doctor say. I think that's probably going to be more common, but you know, I, I think that stuff is going to start happening and it's going to become acceptable. And if it's not recorded by the doctor themselves, it's going to be me holding my camera that says, Hey, I want to record this visit for my memory, for my recollection, and then also, you know, so I can consult with my friends to make sure that I'm getting the best care possible. Uh, that would be an interesting uh, green space for telehealth that I think many people haven't really talked about. Yeah, and then, you know, if we go sort of into the science fiction world a little bit, but there's an opportunity, uh, you know, especially in places that don't have the healthcare infrastructure that we have here in the Western world, or, you know, you combine telehealth with robotics and with drones, right? Mm. And you say, hey, you know what, why not drone um, what you need out to that person in order to take care of them? And I'm not talking a Da Vinci robot, but you can see that maybe some scaled down version of that to perform minor wound care or first, you know, maybe not first aid, but some sort of more advanced care through robotic interface is sent out by a drone, right? Like, that all becomes possible through telehealth and virtual reality and all these things kind of combining together. So I'm excited for, for where this could go. Well, and the meds are going to go by drone anyways, so you can send all sorts of things for sure. Why not a robot, right? They're getting cheaper all the time. <laughs> well, hey, listen, sure. thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. You can find out more details about our show by checking out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at our site, healthcareittoday.com, and on Twitter using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hung, along with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.